They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. It's been a little bit, but I wanted to record something um, uplifting, positive, cathartic, however you want to put it. I just wanted to do something to end 2021. Yep, that the, the year that wouldn't end. Um, <laughs> uh, in, in a positive light. And as someone who creates content on the internet, I wanted to let you know that we are, we're similar. We have, you know, the same shit we go through. It's, it's hard to do things. Sometimes it's hard to make content. It's hard to get up every day. Sometimes I didn't see every movie I wanted to see this year. So me doing top movies of the year is going to be kind of silly if I haven't seen them all, but you know what? I got news for you. A lot of the critics that make these top 10 lists for you at the end of the year, the real legitimate get paid for it critics didn't see every movie either, but I'm going to be completely upfront about what I haven't seen. So you're not like, oh, why isn't this on the list? Well, it's not there because I haven't seen it yet, but I wanted to put it out there before 2021 was over. Um, I am joined by one of the very best friends I have made working on the internet like this. Axel Wright from the Geeks with Shields podcast. Axel, say hey hello everyone <laughs> oh it's it's after midnight where this is the 976 version of the shooting the shit Ulrich used, you doing? Ulrich used to call this my NPR voice but it turned into my seductive voice and I'm gonna stop now but yes hi I've got my cavassier <laughs> oh it's a lady oh, yes hello I am I am Axel Wright I'm one half of the duo that is Geeks with Shields we, have, we collaborate with Chris relatively frequently and Chris is uh, simultaneously one of the best friends we have made doing uh doing podcasting i'm honestly i'm still amazed that i get to interact with you on a regular basis it kind of blows my mind and i love it and i'm it's one of the best things going on and with me right now so take that as you will same here and it, it's you know as great as it is to interact with the two of you i feel like since ulrich is the the main twitter account that interacts with everybody through geeks with shields that we get to do this one-on-one -on -one less so it makes me happy that it's actually you joining me for this. I think it's going to be a cool send off for the year. You know, I, I agree. And I did make a Twitter and I just still don't find my, I'm not active on it. I check it about as much as I check other social media and I'll see what you guys talk about. But unless I see I have a real reason for me to, I mean, I made a Twitter so that Ulrich would stop talking for me. <laughs> yes. So you can come in and defend the fact that no, I don't represent this entire podcast's views on Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Primarily so I could be like, yeah, Scott Pilgrim's amazing. Forget what he's saying. Shut up, Ulrich. <laughs> and Iron Man 3, you be quiet. <laughs> yes, yes, also that. <laughs> but no, but but also, all, all joking aside, you know, it it's it's just great. You know, I I know that this year hasn't, these years haven't been great for everybody. I've had some really big positives at the end. I, I got a promotion. I no longer have engineer in my title, which some people would joke, oh, it's because they're moving me out of the position because I suck at my job. No, 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 no. Um, the, <laughs> I, uh, I, I positioned myself to take on operations manager for the company and we're about to grow by a hundred employees and add another building. So I'm in charge of all that crap. <laughs> so you know, it's going to be a lot. It's an odd thing because I, it's cool. I work in an operations warehouse. And so if you're my official job title for anyone who's curious is I am the I am a software op or I'm an op operations software engineer. So 
since your position is now operation manager, I, it's funny because I can equate you to the operation manager in my warehouse, and now I have a better idea of like where you sit. <laughs> well, it, it 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 broke my brain. Um, actually, maybe it it because it's like I wasn't really like uh, the operations manager we had who's been there for twenty one years is retiring, mm-hmm. and the guy I've been taking care of, um, who had a stroke a year ago, which I've told people about on this podcast before was an engineer, but he was kind of in the nitty gritty of like, he'll never take the title, but he, you know, he did inventory and he made sure all the technicians had the tools that they needed and he was involved in all the training. And so under this title comes quality control engineering and uh, um, manufacturing engineering and production and all this stuff that I was already doing. And so I just said, well, if we're not going to have those guys, you're not going to hire someone from the outside, are you? And they were like, well, we don't really have it figured out. And I finally talked to the operations manager who was there before, and he told me, and this is what broke me, he said, there's plenty of engineers at this company that could do the majority, not all, because you're awesome. And this made me feel really good. He goes, the majority of what you did as an engineer, there is nobody at this company that can step up and do this job, except for you. you. And that broke me. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, you know, these people, he goes, when we walk around today and tell them all that you're going to be their new boss and half of them broke out in tears. They were like, we didn't think we were going to have a boss. Like we didn't know. And there's some people at the company that aren't the easiest to work with that they were afraid we're going to. So it was, it was a very good, very, um, vindicating for me. And I've now been doing it for three weeks unofficially. And I go home with a smile on my face. Yeah. Hey it man, works, I'll, the works five times harder, but I go home happy. I'll tell you, I'm sure you don't need to be told because you've been in my position, but I I've worked primarily in three different, uh, groups since I left college in three different like career up opt- and, and easily the, the superiors for lack of a better term that stick out the most are the, there's my friend, my very good friend, Eric, who is now one of my best friends who started off as my boss at my first post uh, my for post-college job. And one thing I learned with him, cause we would just work like work together on like a whiteboard for like hours and stuff. And he didn't have to devote that kind of time to me, but we had this idea of like, he worked. In, how do I put this right? He worked for his people. Like he right. went to bat for his people. And I haven't worked directly with you, Chris, but you strike me as the type who probably operates like that. I mean, I'd like, I think I'd get along working with you very well. So. That's, that's, that's how I look at it. And, you know, I see it, it hurts like to see actually, there's a lot of entitlement in the, in the working class people around our age and, yes. um, and seeing what the thing you're designing stuff for and how it works, isn't the worst job you can do. And now I get that there's two sides to this, but this hits me with a very important thing from where I come from in that if you're an engineer and you make a mess. It is not below you to clean up that mess, Mm -hmm. but the engineers that I work with coming straight out of college, especially when they've gone to like places like MIT and everything where they've got a task force of janitors and lab techs that are running around cleaning up for these engineers, they've never had to clean up after an experiment, clean up a machine, do anything in their whole career because they're too good for it. They're paying for this education. They shouldn't have to do the grunt work. So they come into the field and don't think. So when I interview people, the first thing I say is 
if it, if you ever find yourself looking at a situation and saying, that's not my job, there are true things like for an efficient company, as you grow, there have to be lines of demarcation. No, we should have a person that handles that. I agree. But sometimes you got to order your parts. Sometimes you have to quote your parts. Sometimes you have to sweep the floor. Sometimes, and if you don't have anything to do and you're a salaried employee, clean something. Like, you know, it, I, it's not the end of the world. I've been in this like, field long enough to know that that arrogance is it's rampant. Terrible. And I grew up, I grew up very poor. Uh, I, I for about six years when I was young, I lived in a twenty foot trailer that was not connected to anything on my grandfather's compound property. Like that is kind of the level I'm talking about. Yep. And and so I have this mentality of if there's a state in a shared space, any kind of shared space, and I'm going to interrupt that state then when i'm done doing what i'm doing i'm going to reset to whatever state i found it in because i don't know what other people might be expecting so already that idea of like not cleaning up your own messes is baffling to me and and secondly like with this whole like arrogance thing i can't help but feel like i mean i was raised on spider-man so literally with great power comes great responsibility is a commandment in my brain. So as an engineer, you have a certain responsibility because of your education, your ability. I I support a floor of operators. And yes, plenty of times they bring me problems that in my mind I have a moment of like, you should be able to figure this out yourself. But I don't say that because that'd be a mean thing to say. And instead I am like, right. hey, here's what happened. Here's how you can see what's happened. And I have no problem doing things like my boss last week was like, hey, can you move this table from the side of the warehouse to the other? Like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Well, and, and, and here's the thing, right? There, there's a fine line between like one of the problems that plagues my company and companies that are small to growing larger is they tend to make the engineers do a lot of things engineers don't do. So I get the idea of to be more efficient i should be doing the job i got my degree in you're absolutely right so bring that up in a way that hey i've had to do x task so many times we should probably have someone who's good and whose main focus is to do that task to do it yeah you're absolutely right we'll look on hiring someone like that until then you have to do it not you don't just get to say that there's a broken spoke and not fix the spoke yeah, and, and th- this is the thing, right? Like, I like get- I'll admit, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not in a union because there's not really a union for right. what I do. But Correct. I am. I am generally pro labor in mm. general. So my exactly my the my same. best yeah my best friend uh, Marky Woonvog, who's been who you've talked with a few times. He is a pure union man. Uh, is you know you got to look at it from both sides because I'm I'm very pro union and stuff like that too. Which is the caveat that I give here of. This isn't someone doing a job because there's a bunch of people standing around that could do it and they're taking their work. And we get a lot of guys that come in that are from union places that that freak out and they're the ones who will run around and go, why is that engineer wiring? I'm the one that wires. And it, the, the way I approach it and the way that we do is that engineer better sure as hell know how to wire. <laughs> it's It's not more efficient and it's definitely not less expensive for me to have them wiring, but you were over there busy doing something that was critical. There was no one to wire it. I'd rather have them wire it than them stand there and at, so not do anything. It, there's a happy medium there, but the, the, the reason this cycles back is I want people to work that want to work and I want people to work that want to learn. And, you know, 
one of the best ways to learn is to make mistakes. And I hate getting engineers or anybody in that have the mentality that something is below them. Yes. And like, Agreed. especially Agreed. if it's something they've never done. Yeah. Now, generally speaking, like there's a place for confidence. There is no place as far as I'm concerned for arrogance. Yes. And... You could say, Hey, are you sure? Like, like I think my time would be better spent doing this. And then the boss, that's a much better way to say it. than no effing way is someone that if there's a spill on the ground, they're not afraid to clean it up. You know you know, what I mean? you know, and that's excellent. And you know, Chris, I've got only like three outside of work engineer friends I could talk about with this stuff. So I love having the conversation, but I do feel like people probably showed up to this for other things. So maybe yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just literally wanted to say that, that that's a positive thing for me at the end of the year. I know not a lot of people are having a ton of positive things. So I just wanted to say that that that's me airing my, my positive thing to end the year. Now I want to talk about movies. So I have split up a list of 10 movies that I feel were my favorites of the year, 10 movies that I feel were the best films of the year. And anyone that's listened to the director smackdowns I've done with Axel and Ulrich and just my approach to reviewing in general is there isn't going to be a ton of overlap between these two lists. There's a distinction. There's some, but the distinction is my favorite versus what I feel are the best meaning that, my number one favorite film of the year is probably not necessarily the film that I'm going to say is going to win the Oscar, but my favorite film of the year is the one that I want to flip on and turn on anytime. Whereas, you know, something like Schindler's list, you can only watch every once in a while. No, <laughs> I mean, you know I'm I mean. completely on board with that. I generally speaking in film discourse, the Godfather and citizen Kane are considered the two greatest movies ever. And neither one of them would be in my top five. 50. Not because I don't necessarily like them, but because they're not the kind of movies that I like to go and sit right. and watch. Exactly. I respect them. Yeah, I respect them, but I don't want them, if that makes any sense. So I get it. And I wanted to give Axel to add the caveat of the reason I thought it would be good to have anybody else here is that me just running off a list by myself, especially without funny, pretty pictures and stuff like my brother and other people do, might not be the most interesting thing in the world. So having someone to be color commentary and maybe stop me or add, hey, I actually saw that one. If you didn't, let's talk about it. But I wanted to give the caveat that Axel will not be divulging his favorites in top 10 of the year because he will be doing that on his show. Yeah, Lord Commander Ulrich, my co-host, explicitly forbade me from sharing my – I will certainly say if I saw it and my thoughts on it, I would not – I will just not be revealing specifics of where they might fall in my top ten. Okay, so So to start that, I'm going to talk through the films I haven't seen yet. I will say behind the curtain, I can't see Chris's list. I am just as blind as anyone else. Yes, he's he's, he's going into this blind. I'm going to talk about the movies I haven't seen. This isn't every movie I haven't seen, but movies that I think I would have loved or Mm. liked or I at least want to see to flesh out this list, and maybe I'll do an addendum to this later. And if Um, I've seen it, I'll tell you probably to watch it or not. (laughs) So my, my list starts with, I think, the biggest piece of sad is how did I not see the Guillermo del Toro movie this year? Um, my lists are not tainted by Nightmare Alley, so I have no idea where that will show up. In all fairness, Nightmare Alley only, like, just came out, so... I know, I know. <laughs> I, I want to see it this weekend, but I'm probably gonna go see Ghostbusters instead, just because I usually see you, something with my buddy, but... So you haven't seen Ghostbusters yet? I have okay. not seen Ghostbusters Wait, yet, no. so we'll be talking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't, that... I won't, no, no spoilers for you. I'll just, I'll just tell you uh, how I feel about it. That okay, movie but... is a movie to be witnessed... And you're either going to love it or you're going to feel like other people about it. 
Like I said, I'm probably going to see that this weekend, although I do really want to see Nightmare Alley. So I've got a four-day weekend. Maybe I'll see both. I don't know. The, the other, and this is something that makes me a little bit different than than my my brother, Bob, movie Bob, is I'm a sucker for musicals, and I always have I love have musicals. Oh. And so I'm really, really pissed off that I haven't seen West Side Story. To be fair, no one has seen West Side Story. Womp okay. womp. But a couple, <laughs> couple things about that. I don't want to take too much time from you because it's supposed to be your sharing thing. But yeah, no, no. So, this, this is why you're here, man. <laughs> about about um, 10 years ago, I was hanging out with a bunch of my friends who I live with. And I was talking to my buddy Nils. And uh, and I was talking about – I think I was talking about Into the Woods, which is my favorite musical. Yeah. Um, and, and he was like, yeah, you are the musical guy in our group, aren't you? And I went – I, I don't like that many musicals. And as I said that, I started counting them in my head and on my fingers. And by the time I got to 12, I was like, holy shit, I do love musicals. So You know what movie's fault it is? What movie's me? fault? Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, yeah, that's that was an so early I, one for me. I, I Rocky was, Horror I Picture was, Show, roughly the same time. Yeah, so I will, the thing is, is my, my dad, of all people, I don't think my dad ever fully understood what the Rocky Horror Picture Show was really about. Because because my father loved it, but he loved it for the music. But my dad was of a generation where I don't think I don't think my father disliked gay people, but he was from a generation where they were the butt of every joke. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't get it. Know if I don't know if he thought Rocky Horror Picture Show was being like farciful about that, or yeah. but it, you know. So but that was when he showed me. But I was a little older. But but I, anyway, so, with uh, I with saw. This- I'm um, sorry, uh, Little Shop of Horrors when I was like six. Yeah, you know, no, I, I saw mean? I saw that pretty young as well. <laughs> yeah. um, actually, when I think about it even further, I probably the first musical I was exposed to might have been Oklahoma, but Ooh, that's a whole okay. other. Yep. But anyway, the point is, I love musicals. I love stage musicals a lot. I Into the Woods is especially with Bernadette Peters is one of my favorite experiences I've ever had. West uh, West Side Story, right? A musical adaptation of Romeo and Juliet done with uh, New York gangs. Uh, the original movie. Not bad. I, yeah, I, I enjoy fine. it. I The thing is, I'm a big Shakespeare nerd, and even so, I'm not a big fan of Romeo and Juliet. I, I get it, but it doesn't really work. I'm more of a Hamlet, Tempest kind of guy. Oh, so, okay. I get you. Yeah. Um, so so the, I respect West, West Side Story. I do want to see the new one, but yeah, I haven't seen it. The thing with West Side, the, the, the reason I feel it's a, it's a huge missing piece is it's Spielberg. We all know how much I like Spielberg. It's a musical. I love musicals, and it just looks... It looks and sounds like Spielberg was at the top of his form on this one. I don't necessarily mean like it's the greatest movie ever made, but it just seems like. Do you ever see War Horse? Once when I was too young okay. to appreciate it. So you you watch a movie where you like I, I like War Horse. I like War Horse a lot, but War Horse is like what if somebody made a joke about what a Steven Spielberg movie about a horse would look like, and <laughs> it, it's almost a Family Guy sketch. You know what I mean? Like it, I buy that. It, and West Side Story just looks like he showed up and goes, of course this is what it's going to look like if I make West Side Story. And I'm like, I need this in my veins so bad. Honestly, I saw the trailers. <laughs> and I'm like, this just looks like a – there's no other way to put this – a glow-up of the old one. And that's really all I expect from it. And if it does that well and, and hits the yeah. musical cues well and you cast people who can sing. And they, <laughs> and they seemed to have, except you know, the, the main guy is, is troubled. And that's the yeah. other – and I'm, I, sorry, I'm still I'm still hurt from Les Miserables and uh, and Russell Crowe. Great actor, can't sing. <laughs> great great actor, great rock singer, not a good musical singer. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I, I put these three in the same group because, especially with the fact that I have kids, I can't believe I haven't seen these. I have not seen Raya and the Last Dragon. 
I have not seen Luca, and I have not seen Encanto. So the first two of those I have not seen. I do want to see The Last Dragon, Ryan The Last Dragon. I have not even... What was the second one? Luca. Luca, I think... Oh, that's the two young boys in... Yeah. Uh, it looks like Spain or something. I think it's so. Italy, and they might be merpeople. I, I haven't that's right, seen it. So okay, I haven't sure. seen that. I have seen Encanto, and Encanto is really good. But the trailer is deceptive. The trailer does this thing where it takes sequences from musical bits that use like metaphoric imagery and plays them straight. So like, so I'll tell you straight up that like the trailer has this moment where it looks like, Oh, they're fighting this big Dia de los Muertos Cerberus looking thing. That's not a thing that actually happens. That's a, that's a moment in a song where someone is expressing fighting back. Cool. All right. Awesome. So, and what I mean is just to set your expectations correctly, because in Canto, the trailer's portrayed as like this big adventure kind of movie that a lot of the other Pixar stuff is. It's not really. It's a very personal, very – it's one family dealing with very internal family kind of things, and that's actually what's really great about it. That's so. what I was ex- – what you said second is what I was expecting. So I was actually worried about that imagery a little bit um, yeah, that, they no. went, that they went to Disney with it. Whereas I loved that Coco hid all of that imagery from the trailers and so when coco got into coco's like second half and i went what the fuck it was funny (laughs) i thought about it it might be a little misinformed or incorrect of me to have compared anything to uh, compare to coco just because they're kind of similar cultures i get the feeling coco is mexico and encanto i think is supposed to be like brazil or something i I mentioned coco because it it's not the cultural thing as much as it thematic it just seems like it's that like that family and that like traditional i I was just trying to say that like i was trying to preface by saying that's not why i'm making this comparison either but it's almost like if if coco never left the house like there was no afterlife stuff it was just them talking about all their issues in the house (laughs) so so (laughs) my next two fall into the oh i think only critics have seen these but i feel like putting them on the list so people don't go well what if i have not seen the tragedy of macbeth which looks awesome it's coen brothers can't wait um and titane or titane um it's a horror-ish like flashy art house movie that looks insane i've heard it's really over the top and i can't wait to check it it's been showing up on lots of people's best of the year lists Hmm. and it's it's been on the last duel i mean this is a year where ridley scott made two movies that came out i i heard neither of them is perfect but the last duel looked really up my alley i've heard a lot of weird things about the last yeah so i've heard some weird thematic stuff about it too it just from a look it looked up my alley um, next one is one I got for Christmas, but I have not watched it yet. The great Nicolas Cage in his, um, from what I've heard, incredibly depressing and insane film Pig that came out earlier this year. Sorry, um, you said Nicolas Cage. My brain went right to Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, no, so. Willy's Wonderland did not show up on this list, but I haven't seen it. But I I, I, I want to see it, but don't think it'll be showing up on a favorites list. But I think I still really need to see it. <laughs> Here's what I'd say. I would not expect Willy's to show up on a best list. I might expect it to show up on a favorites list. Oh, for me. Okay, I'll add it to the list. Because I, <laughs> I also have Prisoners of Ghostland on here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Willy's Wonderland is not a good movie, but it is a fun Okay, movie. can't wait. <laughs> Um, the other one, which I know you've seen and I have not seen, is Last Night in Soho, which I Last, feel is a big missing piece of my list this year. I would say it's the biggest missing piece, considering it's Edgar Wright doing uh-huh. essentially horror period piece. Uh-huh. And it's um, – I always 
it's fucking amazing. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... uh-huh. No, I, I have I have an interesting feeling it's going to show up on one, if not both, of my lists. But I'm going to be really sad to leave any movies off those lists when we get to them. The other is Sing Two, and the reason I put this on here is I don't know if you have seen Sing. I have. I like. I love. I love it. I'm a sucker for a jukebox musical. I like a. I like a strike musical more, but jukebox jukebox musicals have their place. And Taron Egerton alone killed it as the the ape in the first one. And him doing Elton John's "I'm Still Standing," which is one of my probably my favorite Elton John song, was to the point where I actually like his version more. And I don't feel bad saying that because Elton John's basically chosen Taron Egerton as his successor. Um, That being said. I saw the Sing 2 trailer every time I went to the theater yes. for like five yes. months, and I got so sick well, of it. because Illumination, like, this is the thing. Illumination, Illumination is the current whipping post of animation company that really, really, really shells out great-looking movies. Everything they make looks great. They have a very distinctive style, and they all look fantastic. They have a tendency to make the lesser versions of the stuff that Disney and Pixar do. Your um, uh, Megamind versus Spickle Me. Right. And so, like, I I enjoy Illumination, but some of the things Illumination makes are a little lower brow than some of the other stuff. But Sing, you can't cut a trailer for either of the Sing movies and not make them look, like, not good. And, like, they just, they feel like, oh, this is going to be complete fluff, and it's just going to be, it'll be fun to look at. But Sing somehow... All of its emotional beats are played completely serious, and they work. I just want to see Halsey as a wolf girl, man. Right, <laughs> right. And, and, and it's just, Sing feels like the movies that Disney and Pixar make. Even though, even though they're in the shell of an Illumination movie. like Yeah, I'm sure the movie's probably good because Sing was good. It's just I am at trailer overload. The last yeah, time no, this I happened agree. was with uh, one of the Mission Impossibles, and yeah. I didn't see it because I got trailer overloaded. Yeah, or No Time to Die. That's the other one I'm on trailer overload with for. But um, the next movie is Being the Ricardos, which I've, I've heard mixed things about, but I really want to see it. It's the I Love Lucy movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have not even heard anything about that. I just saw it pop up in like my search a couple times, but I don't know. Aaron about it. Sorkin. Sorkin. It seems, Ooh. it seems like Sorkin, after he stopped just writing and writing and directing together, has gotten a little problematic, unfortunately. And I well, love Aaron Sorkin. But Sorkin did the newsroom, right? Yes. He's uh, gotten himself into trouble on being the Ricardos with some of the shit he's been saying. But I really want to see the movie. Yeah, I, I have thoughts on Sorkin, but thanks could be for another time. Yes, I, we could have a lot of thoughts. In, but I, I, I think the casting looks interesting, especially in who they got for Lucille Ball. I think she looks great. Hey, man, um, I just think I just think it's important to have the new generation. I sound old saying this, but new people know who Lucille Ball was. Lucille Ball was the queen, the goddess of comedy. She was like the first lady of comedy. And, and let I, me tell you. My honeymoon, our first honeymoon we went to, right after we got married, I took my wife to the town she grew up in. We went to the cemetery, saw her grave. We saw the house she grew up in. They have a museum there. All the old studios, the Desilu Studios, are rec- is unbelievable. It's yeah. in a like middle of nowhere, crappy town, and like whatever. Um, it, point is, whatever it takes so that Lucille Ball keeps yeah. being remembered, I'll take it. 
So. It was wonderful. And I, I've, I've heard the movie's pretty good, but I've heard the performances are the thing to see it for. The big missing piece, which I'm actually seeing tomorrow, we're recording this on the 30th, and I'm seeing it on the 31st, but I intentionally want to see it after I release this list because I think it'll be fun to have a whole podcast talking about it, even if I don't like it, is Spider-Man No Way Home, which I have not seen. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> No, this is why I thought this would be fun. I haven't seen. Oh it. my! I really want to be there when you talk about it, then, because I have, I have so many things to yep. say about Spider-Man: No yep. Way Home. So I, I will say this: I have gone from, I won't say disinterested. Disinterested would be a strong word. I don't have. I am of an age where Spider-Man it. it it's as hard for me to take anyone else's Spider-Man that isn't Tobey Maguire as it is for me to take anyone who isn't Christopher Reeve. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Me and Chris actually talked a little bit about this before the recording. Uh, this is a tangential thing. But Spider-Man 2002 is in my top ten favorite movies of all time, period. Like, uh, Spider-Man is super integral to who I am as a person. And The Amazing Spider-Man is my most hated movie of all time. For certain reasons, I'm not going to get into this. It's not a negativity thing. So Tom Holland's Homecoming, I found meh. Far From Home, I thought was pretty good. Well, and no, this no, far, no far Way from home, home. Yeah. No Way Home is great. So they've good. gotten progressively better. And, and so I've, I've come around on being excited about this. I really like Homecoming, but it took me a little while to really like Homecoming. I feel like Homecoming is a really cool peter parker story but it's not one that i necessarily wanted to see or related to we've talked about this a lot before well, well that's why i'm telling you as someone yeah. who was very lukewarm on homecoming and who thought far from home was better i'm just telling you that i think no way home is great and and, and far from far from home i feel is great it really it struck me as like wow this this is awesome so it got me really excited to see this i will i, I will refrain from, from saying yeah i'm definitely gonna refrain from saying anything more but we'll we're gonna talk after you see it so okay but anyway i just wanted to make sure people knew because they'll be like um how how do you not have this movie on your list that's why uh, i just haven't seen it um king richard is another one that i really wanted to see that's the will smith is um the william sisters father movie it looked uh. great I haven't seen it. I know um, this is a weird thing, but I saw that trailer and I was like, I get it. You got Will Smith, but it does feel weird that a movie supposedly about yes. the, the Venus sisters is actually not about them, but about their dad. That seems odd to me. But. Right. It, it does seem odd. It just, it, it looked good. So I, I, and they like the sisters supported the creation of the film and we're all about it. So, uh, the other is the beta test. You probably haven't heard of this, but it's one of those like, low budgety horror movies that was on the art house circuit that I really want to check out. And I just haven't got to see it. Yeah. I've no, heard of it. Nobody. That's on my, I yeah. wish I had seen, I want to see nobody, but I never got around to it. Nobody antlers is another one. I, I think you said you didn't like it all that much, but I, I, I want to check it out. Um, set your expectations correctly. I'll just yep. say that. No, it's, it's fine. Not, it's not a del Toro movie. It's got a yep. del Toro monster in it, but it's not yep. a del Toro movie. Yep. Um, Army of the Dead, which I still want to see. Uh, it, it, you know, Zack Snyder is Zack Snyder being Zack Snyder, but I do want to see it. Um, I want to see Army of Thieves, just because if I see Army of the Dead, I'd like to see the the movie. I don't know either of those. So okay, um, you don't know what Army of the Dead was? 
No. That was the Zack Snyder zombie movie in Vegas. No, I hadn't heard oh, of that. Oh, it was a Netflix movie. Um, okay. Army of Thieves is a sub subplot movie like that happens with a character from it that looked pretty cool. Okay. The Harder They Fall, which I think was a Western that I've been hearing is great. The French Dispatch, because, you know, how would Wes I Anderson, see Wes Anderson? I, I really want to see the French Dispatch just because I'm a Wes Anderson fan. Yeah. Yep. No Time to Die, because I'll see all the James Bond movies. Um, I'm not that excited about it, but it's just because it's been so long. I just mentioned um, to someone today that I'm a huge fan of James Bond in concept, but literally no James Bond individual movie like is big in my mind. And I don't know how to explain that. So. It's interesting. The Green Knight, which I own and haven't seen. I've heard mostly good things. I want to yeah. see it. Um, uh, have you seen A Ghost Story? No. That's that director's follow-up to... He did the Disney remake of Pete's Dragon, which blew me away and no oh. one has seen. Okay. And then and then he did a ghost story, which is as indie as you can possibly get. Mm. Like right after that. Um, okay. The ghost story is Casey Affleck dies and leaves his girlfriend, played by Rooney Mara, to like sulk for him in her house. And he's there as a ghost wandering around in the house, but the ghost is just him in a sheet with the eye holes cut out. <laughs> it's okay. so weird. And it's I have heard of this now. I, um, you said that I've, I have not seen it, but I've heard of it. And, and you know, th these others are just ones that I think will be fun. Jungle Cruise, I want to see. I know it won't crack a list, but it's uh, fun. Jungle Might Cruise, I will say, is, it's surprisingly good. Like, I'm not going to say it's, it's not better than uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean, but it's doing a similar thing and doing it pretty well. So. Cool. Um, Cruella, because I, I, you know, I, I want to see it. I'm sure it's not great, but I want to see it. Can I say one thing about that? Just, yeah. just one thing. So the whole idea of making Cruella, um, relatable was already going to be problematic because she's a, a dog skinner. So I hadn't seen the movie and Woonflaw came up to me and without saying anything explicitly, he said, Axel, if you were a lazy, hacky writer, and you wanted to make the audience understand why Corella hates Dalmatians, what would you do? And I looked at him and went, I don't know, have her parents get killed by them? Yeah, my, my, my brother, my brother, I said to him, how was Corella? And he goes, you know, Corella, it's as if somebody took and looked at the biggest elephant in the room head on disposed of it in a really lazy way and then spent the rest of the movie earning that back he said it's not incredible but somehow yeah. they like they earn they earn their keep it, like i apologize so like i apologize me saying that is that all a spoiler but it's not even really spoils the worst part of it i'm not gonna say anything more but the, the point is that i heard that and then i saw the scene and anyway i'm done with that <laughs> that's awesome um okay more uh we've got Mitchell's versus the machines, which is a big miss for me. Not, I not really want to see that. I saw yeah. just the scene, just the scene of the mom going mom crazy on robots. I'm like, that alone makes you want to see this. So, <laughs> um, the forever purge, which I know you just talked about with friends. I just recently um, saw that F nine, which I've seen the rest of them. So I have to see it. Oh, fast and furious. Nine. Yep. Okay. A quiet place too, which I love the first one. So I imagine this is just more of the same and licorice pizza, which I've heard is problematic, but I'll see anything. Paul Thomas Anderson. Makes. Oh, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. That <laughs> yeah. I saw the trailer and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah, I have so no idea I. what it's doing. So, Anyway. All right. 
So that that just to give people an idea of what I haven't seen. So what about real quick? Just because I yeah. Didn't, uh, <laughs> did you see Did you see Belfast? No, I didn't. So yeah, I didn't see that one either. But it struck me as one that I feel that like no one is, went and saw it. But it's Kenneth Branagh. That so is I, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. So we I want to see it. Shit. Good. Good catch. That I'm missing that. Okay. Now I'm gonna go through my runners up quickly. But um, because okay. they're mostly movies that I think I might be the only person who's seen them, or okay. at least some of them. But mm-hmm. uh, but I want to give them because um they're great. So my first is a movie called What Happens Next Will Scare You. Um, it's a movie I saw from Salem Horror Fest this year. You can catch a review of it from me. Um, it's directed and written by Chris LaMartina and Jimmy George. Um, they're two folks that made a movie that became a bit of a sleeper underground horror hit called the WNUF Halloween special. Um, WNUF Halloween special is like, what if you watch someone's old recording of a Halloween special from like a shitty public access news station that tried to do a, let's have this guy go do a seance in a haunted house. And then fucked up stuff happens. It it's cut in with like fake commercials that feel very legit from the time. It's just incredibly well done. What happens next will scare you is about a bunch of people getting together to put like a viral top 10 scariest thing on the internet list together. And then the things from the videos start happening to them. And it's really well done. Um, the next is the fear street trilogy, which was wonderful. <laughs> I have not seen the third one. I oh, the did third not... one's the best. <laughs> well, here's what I'll say. I didn't care for the first one. But I love I, the second one. Let me tell you the the trilogy. You have to watch them all. There's, the only reason it, the only reason I haven't watched the third one yet is because I watched the first two with Wretched, and so I wanted to watch the third see, one with the him. first one. The first one I watched it and went, I'm not sure if I get this, but but some of that really really made me happy. And then I watched the second one and go, oh, okay, I think I get where they're going with this. You gotta see the third one. I this will is a as soon as I go. That is meant to be seen together. As soon as it, I go visit Wretched again, I'll watch the third one. I will say the one thing with the first one that did stick to me was that that one death with the meat slicer or whatever it, that thing was. You just you the third one story wise pulls it all together and it's yeah. just wonderful. I think I also the fact that the second one is basically like a pseudo uh, Jason Fillick. <laughs> Wait until you see the third one, man. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> they're they're they're. It's just so cool to see what they did, and that's um R.L. Stein. Of all yeah, things. I didn't uh, ever read the the Fear Street. Although when I was in middle school during my eighth or uh, seventh grade year, every day I would get to school uh, half an hour early. I'd go check out a Goosebumps book, and then at the end of the day, before I went home, I would have finished it and returned it. So I read. I love so those Goosebumps, Goosebumps books. Um, the next is another Salem Horror Fest 2021. It was a film called Take Back the Night. Um, it was directed by Gia Elliott. Have you heard of this? I think I actually saw clips of it i'm trying to remember i'm pretty sure i've seen bits of it but not the, the whole it's, thing it's it's a it's a um what's the best way to put it well it, it, its title is taken from a, a sexual assault survivors like you know support website that's a, but um it, it, it's about a woman who's you know not necessarily like the most like picture perfect person in the world you know i love stories like this it's not like she hasn't made mistakes and that's why after a monster attacks her and then she ends up at the hospital. Nobody believes her because she drinks and she's kind of slutty and she slept with someone's wife that night. So no one wants to believe her. And it's just such a well done cautionary tale, inverse boy who cried wolf um, empowerment thing. It's just really, really well done. And so um, much. I, oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, 
I was going to say unrelated, but was Hubby Halloween this year or was that last year? Hubby Halloween was last year, but I loved that. Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah, and if it was this year, it should be on this list because it was fun. But um, and next is a movie called The Strings. I don't want to say much about The Strings. It's another Salem Horror Fest one. It was actually from last year, but it got a Shutter premiere this year. So it technically is released so people can see it this year. So if you have Shutter, look up The Strings. It's awesome. It's an awesome little dark kind of horror musical almost is the way I'd put it in a weird way. Um, it's it's odd and it's great. Um, Night Books, which I don't think a lot of people have seen. Have you heard of Night Books? No, I haven't. Night Books is a, it's a kid's horror movie, kind of like in the same vein as Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It's about as scary as that. So, okay, you know, okay. late, late, eight, nine, ten, early teens. Um, it was directed I mean, by... Scary Stories got some... Yeah. Was Scary Stories the one with the, the Scarecrow that turns you into yes. a Scarecrow? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Thought so. Well, what, what's cool about it is there's nothing really all that offensive in it for kids. It's just scary. And that's what Nightbooks is. Nightbooks was written, directed by David Yurefsky, the director of Brightburn. Ah, <laughs> okay. And, um, it's about a little kid who has a book that he calls his Nightbooks, and he writes scary stories and something has happened bad between him and his best friend. And he has decided that he's going to burn his Nightbooks. And when he goes to do it, um, a witch kidnaps him and makes him, have to read her a scary story a night or she's going to kill him. Wait, wait, and so we got a, uh, a Sherazadi idea. Yeah, dude, it's so cool. You got to see it. And the reveal of what the witch is. It's so perfect. It's just, it, I was like, Oh, good job movie. This is awesome. So, side note, but Sherazadi and a thousand and one Arabian nights is one of my personal favorite mythological stories uh -huh. ever that I feel like it's not adapted uh -huh. nearly enough. I so. think you'd like, I think you'd like this. It doesn't fully go there, but it's definitely playing with that idea. Okay. And um, it's very cool. Um, two Witches, it's another Salem Horror Fest one. It's about two witches. Um, it's really <laughs> fucked up. It's two, two witches. witches, and they do witch things, and it's very R-rated. So two Witches, they, one they, spell? <laughs> they, they eat kids and babies and do all kinds of awful stuff. Another one is Godzilla vs. Kong, because it was so much goddamn fun. It deserves to be on a runners-up list. Black Widow is another one I put on Wonders Up because I really liked it, but it doesn't quite crack it for me. And a movie that I don't think anyone has seen outside of the found footage group that I'm in on Facebook. It's a found footage movie made by a Facebook friend of mine. His name is Ash Hamilton. He made a um, extraterrestrial found footage movie called Holes in the Sky, the Sean Miller story. And it's awesome. Um, it tells you nothing. It definitely is pulling the Blair Witch Project kind of thing where they, they throw a whole bunch at you, but there's no real story or thread to pull it together. But it's about a guy that goes to do a documentary about a guy that he remembers seeing like a 2020 style puff piece on about a guy who was abducted and everything about the guy has disappeared. All of the stories and everything. And he, the guy is frustrated when he reaches out to me and goes, oh, you remember the stories too? Why doesn't anybody else? And so he goes to interview him and messed up shit starts happening. It's it's made by someone like us. The movie has no budget. It's it's awesome. I highly link, recommend it. Yeah, you should link me uh, information about it and I'll, I'll put it to my watch list. I, I will. I will, say as a cool. side, I will say as a side thing, um, maybe it's because I am in a – I don't know, hope punk, and I don't like cynicism in general, but I'm getting, I'm fucking fed up to hear with the the Blair Witch blowback. Like, I have so many right, people in my age group who are like, Blair Witch sucks, and found footage sucks. I'm like, okay, you realize what the Blair Witch 
was when it came out. It's still a really effective horror movie. And yeah, I know found footage sucks a lot of the time, but for that and Chronicle, I think it was appropriate and works. I agree. So the next thing, um, before I get into my favorite films and best films of the year, and I'm going to go through these a little quicker because they're less, uh, these are ones that I think a lot of people have seen. So not a lot needs to be said, but things we want to say stuff about, we should, but my favorite piece of media for the year, because I can't do a TV list cause I don't watch a ton of TV, but I watched this and I've watched it three times is midnight mass. Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass is one of the single greatest things I've ever watched. It is a masterpiece. It is Mike Flanagan. Uh, Mike Flanagan of The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, This is his original story that he's been working on for 15 years. And it's on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. Okay. Midnight Mass. All right. Midnight Mass. It's a seven-episode story about people on an island that are super religious in new england and their preacher disappears and shows back up but it might not be him and he has a thing that he calls an angel with him that kind of looks like a vampire and weird shit starts happening (laughs) and it's awesome it is amazing it it's very stephen king because that's what mike flanagan does best and um it's just great and if you if you know nothing about it i will tell you less because it it's unnerving and intense favorites my favorite well part- before you get in your favorites i'll just say as a side oh, yeah, sorry yeah, side additional thing that since i will not be saying this in my recording with ulrich i will say that if we included all media then my number two favorite thing of the year period uh media wise is a netflix show called arcane yeah i've heard it's great yeah well what's great about it is that it is one of the best ways to adapt a video game because I feel like a lot of people are going to hear the League of Legends television show and instantly be turned off by that. And I would very, very much be like, don't let that turn you off because the creators of the show made it completely with people who have no connection to League of Legends at all in mind. It is a wonderfully awesome. constructed piece of media. And I and as far as animation is concerned, it's gorgeous and I highly recommend it. Awesome. So number 10 on my top 10 favorite things of the year. I put these in order because I actually do have an order to them. This um, is favorite. Is favorite. Yes. Not best. Favorite. Correct. Um, and this will be controversial, I would imagine, some of these. Is Halloween Kills. I love Halloween Kills. Yeah. Halloween <laughs> Kills pissed a lot of people off. I thought it was fucking amazing. Is it I messy? Like is it messy? Oh, yes, indeed it is. Did I love it for it? Yes, I did. <laughs> Halloween Kills taught me that in the Halloween community, there's kind of two kinds of fans there's or three there's three kinds of fans i would say there's the kind of fans who want to see like kind of the metaphors and the symbolism and stuff that halloween 2018 actually touched with very well with ptsd yes, and whatnot did. there are the fans that want to see michael myers kill people in aesthetically pleasing and atmospheric ways which is what halloween kills is and then there's the people who want one or both of those things, which is what I am, which is why I love both of them. <laughs> I think I think the hardest time people had with it is they didn't want it to be campy, because 2018 isn't campy, and yeah. but I agree, I disagree because 2018 had some major camp in it. It's just hidden behind the movie actually being a really fucking well made movie. Yeah, Halloween but man, just leans into symbolism and camp, and I loved it. Just the the ways they have Michael Myers murder people is just it was what I can't, lovely. It's what I came to the movie for, okay? I know that by the end, he's basically a 
he's basically Jason, which is fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's it was wonderful. I loved it. <laughs> My number nine, I don't know if you've seen this or not, um, is Matrix Resurrections. I have not seen it yet. So I have heard I, I have heard that it's possibly the best meta sequel. Not necessarily that they're being good or bad, but just yes. in regards to so, meta narrative. I will say some things without because since you haven't seen it, I don't want to blow much, but I will say some things. Matrix Resurrections is similar in vain to films like the Lego movie. And films like um, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. That, that again, that falls in what I'm with what I'm uh-huh. saying. I've heard it's a meta movie. <laughs> Matrix Resurrections. I will tell you this: some and this won't blow anything about the movie, but someone brought this up, and it's so perfect for a person that created a film series that was criticized for causing Columbine of similar things, right? The heroes of the Matrix Resurrections do not fire an automatic weapon or gun at all in the entire runtime. At least our two heroes from the original film. I have heard it's from a behind the, yeah, I have heard from a behind the scenes thing that Wachowski was it Lana that Lana did, did this one. one. Yep. Okay. Lana. That Lana had no plans to continue it, and that this was in a lot of ways her capping's not the right word, but Already it's the, a giant middle finger to Warner <laughs> Brothers for wanting to make another Matrix movie. It's yeah, totally what it is. That's but, what I was going to say. <laughs> but in doing that, it instead of doing that and doing what people that I like, not a lot sometimes, um, but instead of doing that and doing what some people feel Rian Johnson did with The Last Jedi, which I disagree with, but some people feel like that's what that movie was, Matrix Resurrections is Lana being told that she needs to make another matrix movie and taking it back and not only flipping them off, but going, and this is mine. Well, and I it's mean, wonderful. I try not to like talk too much about other content creator stuff while I'm on another content creators thing. But, uh, I mean, your, your brother's thing about the, the matrix taught me the idea that the, the second and third movies were themselves kind of meta critiques yes. of the first one. Yes. So it seems like the Wachowski sisters are already very on board with kind of criticizing their own work through their work. So the, the, the matrix resurrections is, is intentionally looking at what anybody would want in a matrix movie and giving them blue balls about it. <laughs> it's just literally it's literally going no 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 you don't get that because this is not about you this is about me I and heard it's, that it's one, but... wonderful um but i don't want to say much more because i don't want to blow it for you it's okay. it's a I movie you have it. to watch twice because of the first time i went was that good and then i watched it again <laughs> i i don't know when i'll get to see it but maybe in a, like within a month we'll see the next is shang chi which i finally got to see and i just loved it so i will I say i loved it I'm one of those people that I am, like I said earlier, how I'm sick and tired of the Blair Witch hate. I am, I've had it up to here with uh, what I'm going to call Marvel pushback. Yes, I agree. Because, like, I, I've heard the same criticisms from a few different reviewers, like, oh, the movie was great until it remembered that it's a Marvel movie. And I'm like, shut the hell up. Part of what's great about a Marvel movie is the fact that it doesn't take itself too seriously. It recognizes that it comes from comic books so things are funny so yes there is like the one moment in shang chi where a really cool serious moment gets kind of killed by a stupid joke about an airline uh person but other than that like 
All people said, oh, how come in the third act it basically just turns into a Marvel movie after being a Kung Fu movie for a while? Because it's aping Chinese cinema. If you've been paying yes. attention to Chinese cinema for the last yes. like 10 years, you know what they're doing. I mean, and, it's, <laughs> and it's also the only MCU film filmed by Bill Pope. And it you can tell. Because holy shit. <laughs> I will say, the second the bus fight scene happened, I was like, I am all the Bill, way on Bill board. Pope shot the fuck yeah. out of that movie. Simu Liu has got like Jet Li act. Like yeah, martial arts chops. No, and the, mo the movie's unbelievable, and it was great to see it on a big screen, on, on a little screen. I can't imagine how it would have been to see it on a big screen. Did you get giant Jackie Chan vibes from the side of the building fight? Yep, yep. It was. It's one okay. of my favorite set pieces in the movie. It's great. Um, my next is a movie not a lot of people saw, and I loved. Um, and I, full disclosure, I know the guy that wrote it. <laughs> okay. Um, I had him on my podcast to talk about his last film, Arctic, which with Mads Mikkelsen. This film is called Stowaway. It, it got released on Netflix. Um, it's sci-fi. It's dark sci-fi. Okay. Um, and if you know nothing about it, um, it's better to just watch it. But it's about people on a mission to Mars, I believe. And they find a couple days into their mission that somebody that was working on the ship fell and hit their head and passed out and took off with them and they do not have enough life support to save him so they have to make um uh, a hard decision on their trip if they're still going to go through with their mission and it's very intense and it's Did really your, well done do you know if your friend read a science fiction short yes. story called cold science yes yes that's what it's based on okay yes that's a um, great short story, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember in an interview with the two of them, that's that was what inspired. Um, but, but it's it's very fucking intense, and it's really well done. And look up the cast. Uh, it's got a crazy good cast. I can't believe they were working with these people. It's wonderful. Um, the next is Dune. We've all said a lot about Dune, and holy shit, did I love Dune. Um Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just really loved Dune. I, there, every podcaster in the world has been talking about Dune. It's on my best films and favorite films list. I did a review of Dune. I had Seth Decker from Film Rescue on to do that review with me. There's not much more I can say. Um, I, I just feel, really liked Dune. Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm the, I'm the odd one out. That's okay. In the community when it comes to Dune. so here's the thing. I saw Dune, and I do want to see the sequel. So don't get me wrong with anything I'm about to say, but. Dune is was a chore. Like that's the, fine. That's Dune fine. is an Dune is an arduous, dour film whose soundtrack is oppressive, and it, I I kind of couldn't handle it. So it, it's weird because I saw it in a theater and I and I felt until I finished it that I was going to feel that way about it, and then I went home and put it on HBO Max and watched it again. And it's like a movie I keep going back to. It's so weird. I mean, maybe that's right? part of it because I saw it in theaters. And like I said, that that soundtrack, it just never stops yeah. with the. And no, I get was... you. And that's I'm not going to be one of the guys that be like, you didn't like it and you don't get it. It just I don't know why, but I needed that movie. Oh, I, no. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. It's just that here's like I've said to a few people that movie is lacking in fun outside of Jason Momoa. There's no fun yeah, no, in it. And, and people right. And people said to me, well, that's because Dune is not really a fun story. I know. I'm not saying that it needs to be fun. I'm saying that I don't personally enjoy it because it lacks in fun. That You're might be the intent, right. but that's not. And, that's why I lacking, don't like it. And lacking in fun is why it's number six. Um, number five is a movie that I feel like is like I like it more than I like Matrix Resurrections. It's safer than Matrix Resurrections, and that is Free Guy. 
Free Guy, Free Guy does 90% of what Matrix Resurrections does, but does it with a lot more fun. Free guy, preachiness. <laughs> I think Free Guy gets the uh, the gold medal for better than it had any right to be yes. this year. And so. so Free Guy and Matrix Resurrections would be a great double feature because they're dealing with similar themes. Free Guy just deals with them in a little bit more of a we're going to let this just be fun for you to deal with these themes. But when you watch Matrix Resurrections, you're going to go, holy shit, did someone like read the Free Guy script or was it the other way around? Like, it, There's some very similar things going on there. I'll keep that in mind. I remember people comparing it to the Truman Show. So I went yep. and watched the Truman Show for yep. the first time since I was like six. And like, yep. I get it. I still think Free Guy does it better. <laughs> so. No, no. Free Guy somehow thematically just nails everything it goes for. I, it's If you haven't seen Free Guy and you're listening to this, Free Guy for a long time was the best movie of the year that I had seen. It's just, it's just wonderful. Um, my next is a movie that I talked about on my podcast. I did a review of it. I even had the guy that directed it on. It's called Landlocked. It was from Salem Horror Fest 2021, and I am serious that it is on my favorite films of the year. It almost made my best films of the year. Okay. A guy made a found footage movie unlike any found footage film I had ever seen because he used his actual home movies. And the story of the movie is a guy that goes back to his family homestead after his father has died to go through stuff, and he finds an old camcorder, and when he turns the camcorder on and changes the date, he sees what the camcorder saw in that room on that day he goes through his childhood through his own actual home movies and uses it to create a narrative it is incredible i have never seen anything like it he I won mean, the george romero fellowship award at the salem horror fest this year for it it gives me chills just talking about it i was about to say i i feel like i know enough about you chris that that one probably hit you very personally it's fucking intense and there's nothing even really all that scary in it it's all just theme and tone and it, it, it's 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 an it's kind of like the lighthouse you know what i mean where it just you know you i like haven't a, i haven't seen the lighthouse but i know everything that happens in the lighthouse yeah. so i get it, it. just it's just it, there's yeah it's the, the next is from Can I say it? yeah oh i was just say a side note i have recently realized that i am a sucker for when films craft a scene that is a direct homage to a famous piece of art. Yes. And when it happens yes. in the lighthouse. Yes. Gorgeous. Amazing. Anyway. Um, the next is Werewolves Within. If you haven't seen Werewolves Within, you have to see it. I have it's not from, seen that. from Josh Rubin, um, writer and director of Scare Me, also star of Scare Me. Um, he, base, he made a film adaptation of the game Werewolves Within that no one has played. And it's wonderful. It's an incredible whodunit in a small town. Um, with a werewolf and it's just a blast and you have, to I see mean, it. I love me a good werewolf. Uh, American Werewolf in London is one of my favorite movies this, ever. So this leans, he, he's definitely going in the direction of part of the whodunit fun is whether there's actually a werewolf or not. I uh, won't blow that either way, but I guarantee you'll be satisfied. It's wonderful. Okay. It's, it's really, really well done. It it's sounds funny. like you took a, uh, one night ultimate werewolf and turn into a movie. <laughs> exactly. It's it's funny. It's got really good horror elements. Um, it has some Tucker and Dale versus evil kind of feel to it a little That's bit. That's a good, good comparison. My number two on my favorite films of the year is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Which I'm probably going to see in two days. I so. will tell you this. We can talk about it after this movie broke me. Um, is it perfect? No. Is it exactly what I wanted in a Ghostbusters sequel? Yes. 
Do I feel that it was made for people that didn't get what they wanted out of the 2016 one? Yeah, a little bit. Do I still love it? I really do. It, it, it spoke to me on a level that I didn't expect. It did something that I said, if a movie ever did, I would be very angry about, and it still does it and it does it so well. And I loved it. I, I can't say enough good things about it without blowing anything that happens. It's a very small film. It's very, it's very small and intimate. You can alleviate my fear about this probably then. The only thing I had go so I got two things about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Because don't get me wrong, I love Ghostbusters. I do. I actually like the the twenty sixteen. I Ghostbusters. love I the twenty sixteen one. No, I love it. It yeah. it's my third favorite Ghostbusters film. Now I I, I, love- I am generally speaking behind anything Finn Wolfhard is in, because I want yes. him to be successful. Yes. I don't know why I have a vested interest in just him being super successful. Yep. So I saw the trailer, and it all looked fine, if not terribly interesting to me. And then there was the moment where the marshmallows all turned to Stay Puff. Yep. And and that made me worried, because that was the kind scene. of thing where I was like... It's a great scene. It's good? It, all right. In the trailer, it's completely out of context. All right. I was just, it was the exact kind of thing that made me feel like this is going to be pandering. No. No. It, it, so it is... To say that it's not pandery would be the same as saying that the Matrix Resurrections doesn't like recycle stuff from the other Matrix movies. It's how they do it and the reason for them doing it. Remember, Slimer, reason is... Slimer doesn't show up in this movie. Why okay. does Slimer not show up in this movie? Because Slimer has nothing to do with where they are. I mean, that's fair. Uh, why, why, like, I, I will say, why are there little tiny Stay Puffed Marshmallow Men? It actually makes sense in the context of what the villain in this film is. And that's what I kind of want you to say, because, I mean, a similar thing happened with, again, you haven't seen Spider-Man, so I won't say, but Spider-Man is pandery, but in a way that completely matches the story it's trying to tell. So, so. so that scene with the little Marshmallow Men is equivalent to the Lewis Tully getting chased through New York by the demon dog scene. Okay. That's the that's the scene they're trying to evoke with this. It's mm-hmm. just the shit is hitting the fan all at once in this little town. And that happens to be the thing that Paul Rudd encounters is, is what it really is. Um, it works really well because the movie is so small. It's only okay. a $75 million movie. I have heard. Tiny. I have heard from two different reviewers that the, the girl playing the, the main role yes. Is like a revelation, like yes, she, that she kills and, it, and and she is the main focus of the movie. Finn Wolfhard is being is stunt casted to be Finn Wolfhard in this. He's great, <laughs> he's great, but he's a secondary character. He is not the main character of the film. Yeah, this little girl is, and she is insanely good. Like and I said, I will I will see it probably on it, Sunday. The other thing that I love about her character is that the movie completely gives you what she is without saying it like this, this character is supposed to be autistic. The movie doesn't have to have anyone say it. You just, you watch it and you go, this is a love letter to like people that aren't, aren't quote unquote neurotypical. Right. And that's Egon to a T that's her to a T that's Ray to a T, you know, and, and the, it's just a really cool, Way I will say though, and I want to hear what you think after they do a thing in this that I said if they ever did, it would ruin a movie for me, and somehow they made it work. Okay, well after I see it, we'll t- like I said, I'm gonna see it on. I'm probably gonna see it on Sunday. So. Cool. My number one favorite film of the year, hands down, it's been my favorite since I saw it, and nothing has been able to touch it. Is Malignant because it's bonkers and I fucking love it. 
I know I have <laughs> James not seen Malignant. James I don't see Malignant. I do know what the thing Twist that happens is. Like okay. is. I, I know. And again, I want more people to see it. So uh, all, all you have to know is that James Wan made Aquaman, made a billion dollars, and then went and made Malignant. And I can't believe the studio released it after they saw it. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Based on what I know about it, I, I think you're probably right. Just because, just premise alone, I'm surprised anyone greenlit it for it. It is, it is complete and utter camp-tastic and wonderful. And it's tonally all over the place. The acting is soap opera level insane. And it's all 100% on purpose. And it's just wonderful. <laughs> um yeah, so that's my my favorites. Now my best. I don't know why, but for something about Malignant makes me think of Hereditary, and I don't yep. know why, yep. but there's there's some they want you to think Malignant is like Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because like I know again they're very different in what's actually going on, but from what I can tell from trailer footage and stuff, it seems I don't, I don't know. I don't. I can't explain that one. It's just Malignant. Of... Malignant has the most because you and I we've we've done James Wan talks before. Malignant has the most in common out of anything James Wan has made with Dead Silence, which is my favorite James Wan film. Uh-huh. So you're gonna love Malignant so much. Then Malignant, everything that some people don't like about Dead Silence is all of Malignant. Okay, I, <laughs> I don't watch horror movies alone, so I need to find an excuse to watch it with someone. M- Malignant is uh, what's great about Malignant is once Malignant reveals what it is, it's not a horror movie anymore. Once it reveals Again, what it is, I, it just goes, "This is going to be a batshit action movie for the next twenty minutes, and you just have to deal with I it." I can't even make any joke about it without completely revealing what it is, so I'm just yep. going to say you're All probably right. correct. Next on my ten best films of the year, you ready for controversy? So these would be films that are not necessarily I, favorites, but from a as yep. objective as we can be, because there's no yep. real such thing as pure objectivism. Yep. It doesn't exist. But as objective yep. as we can be, these are probably the best made yep. films. Yep. My number 10 is Eternals. I'm already ready for people to explode at me. I fucking loved it. I mean, I, Eternals. And it, I didn't love it as something that I want to go back to and revisit, because like you said with Dune for a Marvel movie, Eternals was a bit of a chore. Eternals is a lot of a slog of a movie. But I, it was w- probably the best made from I a film standpoint Marvel film I've seen. I respect the hell of Eternals because I feel like Eternals came to play and put all of it, all yeah. of its cards on the table. And was like we're gonna we're gonna go there, and then they went there, and yeah, it didn't always work. As you said, sometimes it, it drags, and things are a little slow, but. Yep. It just has the cojones to go the place where it's going to go, put a real interesting philosophical question at the forefront and just let it sit there. And it it looks unique in doing it. And, and I didn't, I didn't really have a big feel. I I didn't subscribe as much to the Marvel formula as much as some people until I saw Eternals and went, ah, yep. No, this is someone not approaching it from, from the previs wheelhouse that all the other ones are done through. It looks different. It looks unique. And and, and can I, I say, while all the actors do a pretty good job, and I'm a big fan of Kamel Nanjiani, I have been for a long yep. time, I feel like Angelina Jolie is uh, and I surprisingly amazing. I don't know how I'm surprised at Angelina Jolie doing a good job. She's been well, a great actress for a long time, but something about what she does here is specifically amazing in a way I, I just didn't expect from her. I expected her to be stunt-casted, her and Selma Hayek, I felt, weren't going to have much to do. They were just going to be there. And they ended up being the emotional centerpiece of the movie. And it broke me. Like, yeah. how good they both were. Like, because Angelina Jolie, Jolie was, is like, badass she, in this. <laughs> well, she's, she's, she's vacillating between extremely badass, almost like channeling her Tomb Raider self, 
and like this really emotionally vulnerable, subtle performance that just really got to me. Yeah. So my, my next two were in my favorites list and outside of one other, I think they're the only ones that carry over was matrix resurrections, which I do feel deserves to be on this list. And, and from Shang- I can tell that's like and, controversial and Shang-Chi. And Shang-Chi. Um, the next is the Suicide Squad, which I which I, I I enjoy. It's not like love, 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 like some of my other James Gunn movies are, but I really like it, and I feel like it, for coming out of however sort of creation it came out of, for Gunn to show up and go, I'm going to make a sequel to a movie that not a lot of people liked, and I'm going to completely overhaul it like this was a ballsy fucking move, and I loved it. Ballsy seems like the appropriate word, because the thing that uh, impresses me most about Suicide Squad is the number of ways that it shucks superhero and action movie convention. I mean, the opening scene alone, but even where it goes... Yeah, but even where it goes with a lot of its characters, I mean, almost everything to do with, uh, with Peacemaker is... Is great. John Cena is giving a great performance, but also just like the decisions they choose to do with him and Rick Flag, they were not at all what I thought was going to happen. It, 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 and it ended up having a lot of emotion and good stakes to it, which I didn't. Especially know. in Ratcatcher. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, Taika Waititi there too is her her dad, which I thought was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Suicide Squad didn't make money. It was it was one of the movies that got hurt, I think, by the dual release. I will but tell I you, as, a, as an engineer, I immediately want Bloodsport's tech. Like, yes. whatever that, that stuff oh. is, I want it. So so good. Um, my next, and I'm going to call it this for a specific reason, even though I love Jordan Peele, is that Nia DaCosta made Candyman. And I'm sick of people calling it Jordan Peele's Candyman, because Nia DaCosta fucking made Candyman. But I Jordan Peele Candyman. was involved. Oh, yeah. I, I just felt, again, Candyman, it's one of those ones that Candyman is tough. Candyman deals with a lot of like the original Candyman dealt with a lot of pretty deep issues, but it, I will say the but critics, used, the, yeah. the critics online who tried to say, who tried to hit it with the, the Oh, why thing. are they bringing social justice or woke? Did you watch the original, the original fucking Candyman? <laughs> but what this movie does is they put that at the forefront, whereas the other one had it in the background and we're making a slasher movie. This one was much more about the drama of that storyline. It makes it a hard watch. It's not something I'd want to put on from time to time. It's challenging, but it's a great, well-made movie. And, Two and, things- and I feel it deserves to be on this list. Yeah, two things I want to say about Candyman. One, that the movie, for the most part, is pretty static with its uh, camera stuff, but then it does things with mirrors and yes. and and angles. Like, there's this moment where all the camera does is zoom back out of a building, so you can't hear and Best you can barely see. Movie. But, yeah, something's happening inside the building that you can just see with no sound, and it's amazing. And their so, choice to invert the opening credits of the first movie. Correct. And shoot and then, into the fog in the it's so cool. And then the other thing I want to say is that it took me like half the movie. I was sitting there like, where do I know this lead actor from? I can't figure it out. And then I realized that he was uh uh Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen yes, show. Was. Yes, he was. I was like, was. that's why I know and love this guy. And he's also <laughs> and he's also in Matrix Resurrections. Oh, I'm glad to hear it, because he's a good actor. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, and he's taking on quite a role in that. Okay. Um the next, have you ever seen the ritual? No, it's a horror flick on Netflix. It, um, from what I've heard from people is the movie antlers should have been, you'll understand that when you see the end of it, but the ritual is a really creepy 
little cool horror movie. David Bruckner came back with a, another a follow up, not a sequel, but a follow up. I saw a trailer for this and thought, oh, this was going to be some shovelware horror movie, and then I watched it. Holy! I shit. am getting. I I I've discovered uh, the Dead Meat YouTube channel, James A. Janice's Kill Counts, and yep. I through that I've been getting more into horror movies. I've been going back and like watching some horror this, movies. So. This one's much more psychological. This is a lot more in the vein of the Invisible Man and things like that. This is called The Night House. The Night it's House. a trip. And the trailer does not sell you what movie this is at all. It's it's about a woman whose husband has killed himself. He just built them a beautiful house on a lake in like the middle of nowhere. And as she starts going through his stuff, she finds plans for an inverted version of their house. And starts finding weird notes of like occult stuff and weird things. And then finds a whole bunch of pictures on his phone of women that look surprisingly like her, but aren't her. And she starts having weird dreams and it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And it's, it's a spook show, strange, kind of almost like secret window is kind of the vibes I get from like the way it does. I do like secret horror. It's more psychological than anything really being horrific. And it's just a really cool, well-made movie, but it deals with some pretty heavy themes. So I can't really put it on a favorite, but I just watched it recently, but it's, it's wonderful. Um, number four is free guy because free guy is definitely one of the best of the year. And one of my favorites, number three is tick, tick, boom musical the, man uh, have you heard of this it's, it's andrew garfield doing uh like a stage it's, play kind of thing right it's andrew garfield doing a stage play biopic of um jonathan larson the writer of rent written mm -hmm. and directed by lin-manuel miranda i, I want to be there's clear a about, lot of shit going on here yeah i want to be clear about something wonderful. i said earlier i hate the amazing spider-man with every fiber of my being none of that is aimed directly at andrew garfield yep. Yep. i the script let him down completely you, andrew garfield you, is a good actor so. you need to see tick tick boom tick tick boom i didn't know what it was about because i didn't know much about jonathan larson holy shit it the performance is incredible the movie is incredible the music is incredible um garfield can fucking sing like holy shit can he sing I believe um, it. it was great number two is dune I, again, I, I can see, I under, I take your criticism fully. It's just, wow. And I didn't, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, which well, was, again, the key, the key point of my criticism is I never say it's a bad movie at all. I say that it's a movie who's very it intent it, yeah. it's very, what it's trying to do is directly opposed to what I generally go to a sci-fi movie for. So it's just not a movie for me. And, and my, my best film of the year, which surprised me when I was putting this together, even though I, I loved it, I've been singing the songs from it and listening to it every day since I watched it, but it's not really something all that controversial or out of left field is in the Heights in the Heights. I didn't know this story. I didn't know what this was about. I know that I, I, I'm a sucker for Lin-Manuel Miranda's stuff and how he writes. I'm going to be, movie. I love this movie. So we, we talked about like gaps in our pop culture yeah. thing. I have not seen in the Heights. I still have not seen Hamilton. So, so, so yeah. So Hamilton, Hamilton was not as weird as this is. I saw Hamilton after falling in love with how Lin-Manuel Miranda writes in, um, Moana. So I didn't know and he did I that. Like, I, didn't know, I, I love all these fucking songs and I want I to know hear he wrote, more from this guy. Yeah. I did know he wrote an Encanto yep, and, he did. and, uh, I've heard songs from Hamilton 
and I could recognize his style in the Encanto songs. So I figured In the Heights would be fun. I just never got around to seeing it. So In the Heights is one of those things where I'm like, all right, this is going to be the movie that everybody loves that I don't end up liking all that much. And I watched it and I fell in love with it. The Again, it, it musical films have a tendency, especially when they're stage play musicals that get made into films, of losing what made the stage play good. Into the woods. <laughs> yeah. And this, I've never seen in the Heights performed on a stage, but this movie feels like you're watching it in a theater. There's I didn't know just in the something... Heights even had a stage production. It, it was Lin Manuel Miranda's first thing he ever did. Oh. Um, and okay. he played the main character in it originally, and now the kid who plays his son in Hamilton plays the main character in this. And okay. he's just a secondary character in the background. And it just, it, it infuses the okay this is a movie with a story and then now we're going to the musical scene so it's going to get a little bit more like weird like there's a scene where people there's a dance number where the two characters defy gravity and dance up the side of a high rise in new york and it's like an old-fashioned almost like what they did in um uh la la land where the movie like goes into these like fanciful sequences and then brings itself back down to reality after the musical numbers are over and i love how they did it I it's think I heard the La La Land comparison before, actually. Yeah, it's La La Land has that you know ending that ruins the movie for a lot of people. But in the Heights is is it, in the Heights is a celebration. It's a guy writing about being from the Dominican Republic and coming to New York and having to you know live in a slum. And it's just it's really really well done. And that's, that's awesome. That's my lists. Well, I will say because again, I won't reveal where it sits in on my favorites list. But uh, when you th- when you mentioned the distinction between favorites and best, I, w- I wasn't going to go make a, a bet because I only saw I saw 21 films that came out this year. So not yep. that many. 22. I saw 22. But the film that I saw that of the ones I saw, I think was the best film, even though it's not my favorite, is Last Night in Soho. So further recommendation for you to go see Last Night in Soho. <laughs> oh, no. Last Night in Soho was carbon made for me. It's just I. I, if I'm going to pay 20 bucks for it, which is what it would cost for me to watch it on Vudu instead of going to a theater, I want to do it when I can own it. Because yeah, I know yeah. it's going to be a movie I'm going to want to own, even if I don't love it. Yeah, you that's know? fair. I'm, I'm just telling you that from my perspective, because I haven't seen In the Heights and, and whatnot, but of the movies I saw, I think that was probably the the best film. Well, film it's, it's interesting, because you know I talked about favorites or movies I always want to go back to and put on. The movies I listed in my favorites are from like a joyous, like um, love of film feeling that doesn't necessarily always equate to best film. But yeah. In the Heights is one I put on where it's the only musical I really think that I've seen ever. That like, because I love Rent, I love the musical Rent. I the movie Rent doesn't feel as good as the musical even though I love all the songs and all the actors in it are great and everything, it feels too staged, which is a funny way to say that about a musical, but it feels too staged, but still trying to exist in reality a bit too much in the Heights feels like it's in a fantasy version of the world that it's in, which makes it work so well. Well, that's part of the, a largely unsaid trick in stage is that most stage productions the aspect of being a stage production is kind of baked into how yes. things are being portrayed, which is why I like that Into the Woods makes it a little bit more uh, forefront than than subtext, but not the point. point is that that's why a lot of times when you try to move it to an adaptation and you try to keep some of those elements, it can feel 
disjointed. I'm not a big fan of Rent, but it's only because my friends in high school were so obsessed with it that I got kind I of know, overloaded I know exactly by it. That you mean that? So I yeah. had those same friends and never watched it and never listened to it. So I was kind of just like there doing it so much that I don't think I could be subjective about this. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I so I, I just I'm gonna let and then I watched it later and I went, wow, this is great. Like I, I can't believe I missed this. Whereas a, if if I had watched it then, I would have had the Trey Parker and Matt Stone reaction, which we all see in um, Team America. <laughs> as a as a side note, related to what you just said, um, how come we don't have a DVD release yet of Avenue Q? Exactly, Sorry. exactly. I'm still mad about that. Anyway, <laughs> all right. I need to go to bed, um, but I wanted to give you a chance to. One, I wanted to thank you for helping me do something positive at the end of this shithole of a year. And and number two, I wanted to give you a chance to plug your shit. All right. Well, hey, thank you, Chris, for letting me come on and talk. I always adore talking with you, man. And I had a great time in this last, like, two hours that we've been talking, <laughs> uh, which is way over what we normally do. But I've had a good time, and I kind of needed it because right now I need any uh, addition to my sanity that I can get. That anyway, was the point, wasn't it? Yes. For us and for the listeners. Anyway, so uh, again, my name is Axel Wright. I am one half of the duo of hosts at the Geeks with Shields. We uh, have – it's actually an umbrella podcast. We have some sub-podcasts like the Geeks of Grimdark and the Geeks Who Haunt. And uh, we, we have a lot of guests on. We have Chris on a lot. We've got you know some other people as well. You can find us on most of the big podcasting things at Pocket Cast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, apparently we can now be rated on Spotify, which is a new thing I just yes. found out about like yesterday. Yes. So, so you can find Rate us up. there. And yeah. Then. So you, we also have a, a Patreon where we release some Patreon exclusive stuff like book clubs or, or echo logs where we watch series and go like one episode at a time. You can find us just Patreon geeks with shields. Uh, we're also part of the fireside Alliance, which with is with, with Chris and a bunch of other people. So if you're going to, you know, if you're really going to look for us, I might recommend looking for us there because there'll be us and a bunch of other people. So, Yes, thank hey. you. I almost forgot to plug the Fireside Alliance. That's something I created with the um, – wow. Whew. Right, I wanted to say Axel Wright. You're Axel Wright. Alex <laughs> Shaw and Sharon Shaw from School of Movies, the single greatest um, – movie show on on the podcasting world i love them and i'm so happy to be part of that with them and all you guys all right i mean that was the end of my plug yeah so no no, it's just great i'm gonna go to bed because it's late um thank you axel for shooting the shit with chip but thank you all for sticking by me and the geeks with shields and everybody else this year and um happy 2022 let's hope that it's at least um not awful <laughs> fingers crossed yes all right bye everyone bye bye